My guest today is the founder and frontman for one of the pioneering progressive metal bands of all time. They have a new album out called Sorceress and are currently on tour in North America. I'm very pleased to welcome Michael Ackerfeld. Hi, Michael. Thanks so much for calling in. No problem. Appreciate you giving me a few minutes during the tour. I know you guys on the road. Where are you right now? What show are you prepping for? We're in Akron, Ohio. Nice. So you just started the, the U.S. tour. The album just came out last week. You know, what's the excitement about uh, the new album and the tour? How's the response been? What are you feeling? Um, it feels good. Um, we haven't played so many shows yet. I think we're on maybe show eight or something on this tour. <clears throat> uh, response has been really good. I mean, we play some old shit, and of course that goes down well. Right. But the new songs go down really, really well. And even, I think it's the first time ever, actually, that somebody, like people in the crowd, they yell out for new songs, if you know what I mean. Yeah, that's not, that doesn't that, happen. I that can't remember that ever happening before. Right. So that's, uh, that's a good good sign. And uh, yeah, we got some like European and Australian chart positions through yesterday and uh, good, good results for that type of stuff, you know. Um, we hit number one in Germany, which is a big deal in Europe. It's looking good, you know. Um, we don't really think so much about the results, to be honest. I mean, it's good and it's, it's, it makes us happy, I guess, when we get good chart positions and when people like this stuff. But we have already made up our own minds that we're happy with this record, you know. So it's, right. if that's, that's all we need, to be honest. You know, the rest is just kind of icing on the cake. At this point, what's the challenge like of putting together a set list of all the different styles that the band has done over the years and uh, either the new songs sound different than, you know, 20 years ago and uh, and making it all work and making every sort of fan happy? I mean, what's how hard is that? For us, it's not hard because it's uh, it's not, not such a big deal for us. You know, we have lots of different, lots of records, lots of different styles on these records. But we just, we, we try to pick a set list. We try to have at least one song from every record. But now with 12 records, it gets a bit difficult. And yeah. on top of that, we want to promote the new album a little bit more because it's the new one. Uh, but we just, pl- I mean, we go seamlessly between the heavier stuff from, from the early days into what we're doing now, you know, and it doesn't, it doesn't feel weird to us, you know, but I was actually, we were talking about that, that, you know, seeing us live must be a bit of a schizophrenic experience. You know? <laughs> right. It, it, it's probably, you know, we're asking a lot from our fans, I guess, in, in that sense that, you know, just because we change and we like so many different things, we obviously present that in a live situation and expect to get a good response. Somehow we do, you know, so it, yeah. it really works well. Well, I think the fans do appreciate that you still recognize the older material and, 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 you know, value that. And so as long as they get some of that, they're probably really happy. Yeah, yeah, it seems like it. So we're playing some of like our, our evergreens, so to speak, um, <laughs> every night and, uh, you know, some new stuff. And, you know, like I said, try to have a nice, balanced set list. Usually we think in terms of a v-shaped set list we start out like all guns blazing and then we kind of calm down in the middle and then we pick it up and end on a so to speak high note in terms of velocity and heaviness you know i've I've read a little bit about um people calling this sort of the uh the third part in a, in a trilogy of you know i don't know how to describe it not softer but softer relative to to the older records um mm. you know with heritage and then pale communion and and now the new one 
is there anything to that? Uh, you know, was what was the approach going into this one where you felt like we want to continue that style, or how did you go into it? Well, it's not part of the tri- trilogy. It just happens to be the third record since the what people deem as the big change, you know. Um, <laughs> right. But uh, it's it's not you know meant to not connected in, in right. any way. It's the third record since Heritage. Um, but uh, I mean, we didn't. When I write music, you know, it's I love writing music. It's actually it's one of my favorite things to do. It defines me in a way. Music is. I love to surround myself with music, and luckily, I can. I have an outlet through writing music myself. You know, it's. Uh, I love it. Absolutely love it. But I don't really plan um, f- for the future. I don't plan how a record should sound. I don't plan for it to be heavier or softer or anything. I just want to have a good collection of songs. You know, if there's something I'm, I'm looking for more than anything else, I guess it would be that I want a little bit of experimentation a little bit of change you know here and there you know so but ultimately it's uh, if, if the songs are good i'm happy you know it doesn't matter if it sounds like the record before really you know if, the, if it's good enough i'm happy but i'm uh, maybe a bit more kind of hyped up if it's something that i feel that we have never done before if you know what i mean right and and to that end there's a lot of that on this album a lot of a lot of new sounds a lot of new instruments um, some yeah. experimentation. So, uh, you know, what influenced that? Were you were you listening to some, you know, maybe more Middle Eastern things at the time, or, or where did you draw from for this record? Yeah, I'm a record collector, so I stumble upon lots of uh, music, of course, through my collecting, and I hear, I read like uh, lots of books on, especially the '60s and '70s scenes. So I read read up on something, and then I go check it out. And, find the record and through that record there might be a member who used to be in this band or used to play with that artist I checked that out too so <laughs> it's you know I listen to lots of different genres uh, for this record uh, through my girlfriend I, I would we, I, we would listen we listen to records together all the time it's one of our favorite things to do together um, and she's well into John Coltrane so I listen a lot to John Coltrane but I'm not sure if that influenced me really it was just I was I was playing a lot, you know, like uh, in between writing sessions and, and working up for the, for this record. So some jazz, you know, she tried to get me into you know, Charles Mingus, but I didn't like like that so much. But Coltrane, <laughs> I, I really loved. And she got me into like Brubeck and, uh, you know, some some like big jazz names that I kind of, you know, I had a few... Coltrane records, but I figured they were a bit too complex for me. I had Love Supreme, and I was like, mm, you know, I'll wait with this one. Right. Uh, and but now, you know, I got it, you know, and it's a, it's a lovely, lovely record, lovely sound. Uh, so lots of jazz. Um, other than that, I'm not sure. Like uh, Mahavishnu Orchestra, I listen a lot to actually. It's so damn evil sounding right. music. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know that uh, opening to so- the opening to to uh, Sorceress, uh, you know maybe comes from that that sort of style a little bit and then you changed it up and made it Opeth. Yeah, in a way. Yeah, you could probably say that. You know, I'm, I'm into that type of fusion-esque uh, rock that has not the, the... I don't want it to sound happy. I want it to sound a bit mean. So I, I love Mahavishnu and I love Magma from France, if you heard them, which is unbelievable, I think. Uh, I've been listening mm-hmm. to them a lot, you know. So some of these fusion... Like that beginning of the song, Sorcerer, is probably influenced by, by those types of bands, I, I would say. 
Yeah, that's pretty cool. Jethro Tull. I listen a lot to Jethro Tull. Okay. Jethro Tull. Yeah, absolutely. There, you know, there's some other songs on, on the album that, for, at least for me, stand out. Uh, you know, A Fleeting Glimpse, I think, is a really diverse track. Starts off kind of harpsichord and slow and then picks up. Then you got this big uh, big ending at the end, which is which is great. So how does a song like that start and end? And guitar melody, the solo at the end, is that something that comes naturally as the song is writing or it happened you know later how does that how does that work for you yeah that song is interesting i was writing that a little bit in secrecy you know like i was because it seemed like an oddball type songs so i didn't present that to the other guys until in the very end when i was absolutely finished and absolutely convinced that this is a is something that we should do uh because of that hardcore bit which is very sounded almost like brit 60s pop if you know what i mean and right. it's not something we ever done before you know yeah. so i was a bit like maybe this is taking it a bit too far but <laughs> i loved it you know because i love like psychedelic rock from from the 60s from from england you know those types of bands and i got uh, got that part in and then uh, there's a, a riff in there that i actually was inspired by believe it or not uh toto okay you know, whatever the song is called, Africa. <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember which I song. I did not but, uh, catch Toto in there, but okay. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. I think. <laughs> I'm not a Toto fan, but I was thinking of that, of that riff where I heard it on the radio or something like that. So I wrote a riff kind of, that's a bit staccato-driven. Right. And the end was a big Floyd part. And right. those are pretty basic chords. So coming back to your question with that melody line on the guitar solo was just, I mean, over those, pretty basic chord structures you know like it was that part wrote itself you know i didn't i think that was the first thing i played you know when i'm gonna play something over it i was like yeah you know that's it right that's what it's going to be you know and then i did this big try to emulate uh, david gilmore solo how do you compare this album to let's like the last one pale communion where's the Where's the jump in, in sort of the, the styles and approach you took to both records? Well, I think it's a bit more straightforward, this album. You know, it's uh, it's got more hooks. And, you know, dare I say it's a bit bit more catchy, perhaps, than than the, the previous two. Um, I spent a lot of time with the vocal melodies, and I wanted them to be, you know... Uh, I, almost like I wanted them to sound like you heard it before, if you know what I mean. Sure, Not okay. In, in a negative sense, but I wanted to sound uh, familiar, you know, if you know what I mean. Sometimes mm-hmm. you hear a song for the first time, and you, you, you can't compare it to anything, but it clicks with you right away because it's something that's familiar about it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So, and I got that, got that feeling with a, a couple of the songs here, you know, like, so I, I figured that's a good, you know, I, I was focusing a little bit more on the hooks and having the vocal carry the songs a little bit more and that made the songs a bit more straightforward than uh, Pell Communion and Heritage with especially Heritage being quite intricate and weird you know this yeah. uh, this is a bit more straightforward uh, you know you recently played Radio City Music Hall I'm wondering have you have you played uh, that venue before? no no, yeah, never. so what was that like? Because that's sort of a real... Uh, I was actually recently there watching a different different band a few weeks ago, and, I, and I'm not from New York. I happen to be in town. That's a beautiful mm-hmm. venue and uh, not like your standard metal sort of vibe, right? So how was that show and what was it like playing there? It was amazing. You know, what can I say? It, it was 
weird because it's massive, right? So it's uh, like we stepped in there. It's like, oh my God, this is a big place, you know. But it's still, and I can't explain why, but it had, it has some type of intimacy in there, you know. Like you, you feel secure in this big place. Yeah. which is a great feeling. So out of all the big shows that we've done on our own, like we played the Royal Albert Hall and we played wherever, you know, like some big shows, but this was my favorite, you know, of them, you know, all, and all of us agreed after that, that was amazing. You know, that was, it was uh, almost like you didn't want to leave stage, you know, and normally we, we, we're pretty keen to get off stage and grab a beer, if you know what I mean, once we're yeah. done, you know, but this time was like, wow, you know, it's, it was amazing. Yeah, it really it. is. It's a beautiful venue, and the sound there is is awesome. I, I I hadn't been there ever until a few weeks ago, and it really blew me away. It was it was impressive. Yeah, no, the response was great there, and lots of people. So everything was really good. That night was a good night. You know, since I have you on, I wanted to ask you about uh, some of the band's earlier records, uh, since uh, you know some of them are considered really important albums. Uh, for progressive metal and uh, I want to just uh, ask you a few questions about them if that's okay okay so just sort of what you remember about the making and something interesting so first would be Blackwater Park which I think a lot of people still hold up as the Opeth masterpiece and what do you remember about the making of it at the time and and what do you think about the about it today looking back well that record that was the first record I actually recorded some kind of demos for you know, like I, I went to a friend's house who was, he was an aspiring engineer. He was really into sound and that kind of stuff. So uh, he asked, like, if you want to come over and record demos or whatever, record something, you can come to my place and I'll engineer it, you know, because I want to learn. So I did. I went over there. I wrote some stuff back home and then went over to his place to, uh, to record demos. And those became like early sketches of, I uh, Early sketch, sketches for the song Harvest, for instance, the Bleak, Leper Affinity, and the title track uh, came together uh, for the demo. And some of the stuff was written in the studio uh, for that record. Draper Falls, I also demoed. So it was like five songs or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the band was doing well then. We were, I mean, it's, it's the, the previous. One of the previous lineups with Martin Lopez on drums and uh, Peter on guitar, and we 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 were in good shape then. Um, we had some shaky beginnings with Lopez. Uh, he did the previous two records, and st- the one before Blackwater Park Still Life was also a good experience. But now we had really gelled as a as a band. Uh, so it was uh, it was a great recording, and obviously working with Stephen Wilson for the first time was was great because I was a big fan, still still am a big fan of of his and to get his expertise on how, what we could do that's different from other metal bands. I mean, I, I figured at the time already that we're different from the other bands, but how can we make that come across better on yeah. record? And that's where Steve came in and did some production features to the record that simply wasn't didn't exist in the metal genre then. Right. So that was, uh, it was a great experience, you know, and, and uh, the last great experience for that lineup. When you listen back on that album today, where, the, the, does it hold up for you? And you, do you still uh, look at it as uh, like an important piece of, the, of work for the band? <clears throat> Not really. I don't listen to it, you know, like uh, I only listen to it if I have to, have to really learn something. I forgot <laughs> how to play. Uh, but, you know, like those things, you know, I work that way that like once the record is done, I listen to it a lot and then I leave it forever pretty much, you know, and I don't 
go around thinking with the dog's bollocks because we made that record. You know, right. it's uh, it's just a record for us. You know, but we love it. We love it just in, in the same way as we love all the other records. You know, but I, I uh, it's not up to me to decide whether it's a masterpiece. It's up to <laughs> listeners. Right. Um, so the other record, uh, one of the other ones is uh, Watershed, which, um, mm-hmm. you know, another one that uh, I think it was at this time or maybe before that the, the band was starting to become, you know, more progressive and in, uh, in what you guys were writing. So, you know, what about the making of that one and what was going on at the time? That was uh, that was a fun recording. Again, we had a, a new lineup, uh, meaning that we in this case we had a new drummer. Axe, our drummer, came in for that record. That was his first. And uh, we had struggled so much with the drums for years, and I was extremely tired. I didn't like recording, you know, at that point. So we went into the studio with Watershed, and I couldn't come down at the same time as the other guys. I came down, like, a few days later. And they had already cut the track then. And I was like, wow, you know, like, that never happened before. So it was a, a really smooth, fun recording, uh, good songs, some crazy ideas for that record, uh, and a fun, fun metal, uh, prog, prog metal record, I think. Yeah. Uh, really interesting things going on there, I think, still. And I, 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 I think that still, uh, that, that it, it was, with that record, it's, it's also, you know, some sad memories because Per, the keyboard player, left. Uh, he, we, we, he, he recorded for Heritage, the one out, uh, the album after, but he was not interested really. Like, and we could see that during the recording of Watershed that he was his heart really wasn't in it as much as as it was for the for the rest of us. Uh, but a really really good record, I think. You know, and uh, it's it it's so good actually. I think that uh, you know, like that that record came out perfectly. Like it's kind of summarized everything that we wanted to do with that style, which eventually led to us switching things around a little bit. Yeah, so you said we can't top this. This is as good as this is as good as we can do with this. Yeah. And I felt like <laughs> like everything we'd saturated our own style and it would just be a case of us trying to repeat ourselves. You know, trying to top that record and it like I didn't see it as a challenge that I wanted to, to That's move into. You yeah. know I, I saw it as a as a challenge to move on, if you know what I mean. No, yeah. And I didn't really want to write that stuff anymore. I was done. That what the watershed was a watershed moment, really. You know, like it it really <laughs> kind of summarized everything that we had been meaning to do for for many years. Then, and that like that, that record is the epitome of of that sound, I think. Well, that's interesting. But I get where you come from. Last one, uh, damnation. Uh, just because it was different at the time, and uh, you know, it caught everybody off guard when it when it came out. But even today, I think a lot of fans still hold it up as one of their favorite albums. So, uh, you know, talk about the decision to make that album, the the, the change in the style, and and I think that sort of influenced uh, a lot where you are today. No. Yeah, you know, that was a record I've been dreaming to do at the time. Uh, I was writing a lot of soft. I was writing a lot of songs that eventually ended up on the Damnation record, but the plan was to record a really heavy record. You know, I wanted to do something heavy because we were going to follow up Blackwater Park, and I wanted it to be hard hitting. You know, so I, but I didn't write any heavy stuff really. You know, like I only wrote soft stuff, and I was like, well, what should I do with this? You know, 
So a friend of mine, my best friend actually, told me that maybe you should do two records at the same time. So do a soft record. If you're writing soft stuff, you might as well release, you know, release it. And that, how I, like that was great, you know, like that's a great idea, you know, let's do that. And that also kind of uh, enabled me to write heavy stuff, knowing that I was going to focus the soft stuff uh, for one record and do the heavy stuff for, for the other record. Right. And I was so convinced uh, that we, this was the right thing to do uh, that I had to I had to talk the record label into allowing us to do it because they didn't they didn't think it was a good idea because it was gonna be expensive it was going to be uh, shorten the contract I think they wanted to hold on to us for as long as as possible so they didn't want us to blow two records in <laughs> in one go. If you know what I mean, sure. so they said no. But I was so convinced that I talked to, talked to the boss of Music for Nations at the time uh, and said to him that, well, how about if we do two records uh, for the price of one, meaning that it only counts as one record in the contract, and we won't, um, we will use the budget for one record, but we'll do two. Uh, so and he said, "Yeah, that's great." You know, he basically got that record for free. If you know what I mean, right? That's so. Cool. It's the opposite to selling out. I think it's was, just very, very, very stubborn. I think was was any influence musically there from from Stephen and and having worked with him at all? Yeah, he, he co-produced that record too. So uh, he was there, and he played all the mellotrons and all the the keys on that record. Um, helped me with vocal lines and stuff like that. But that was a very easy record to write, you know, because I've been, I guess, building up for writing a record like that for a long time. I really wanted to do it. And it was the, it was a great feeling listening to the album for the first time. I felt like, wow, this is a whole new dimension, you know, like this is something completely new. And I was so happy with that record when, when it was done, you know. Yeah, I think I think uh, like Window Pane is still just uh, an amazing song the, from the opening when it when it comes on it, it gives you goosebumps. Thank you. Yeah, that's uh, become a little bit of a classic, you know, that song. Yeah, yeah. Well, Michael, that that's all I got, man. Listen, uh thank you so much. I know you're busy. I know you got a show tonight, so I've been wanting to speak with you for a long time. I appreciate you taking a few minutes. No problem. Thank you very much for for talking to me. All right, man. Have a good show. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks to Michael for the interview. Please catch Opeth on tour and pick up their album, Sorceress, available now. From coming news and interviews, please check theprogreport.com, follow us on Facebook, and download our podcast on iTunes. Thanks. Thanks.